Best and worst case scenarios for all three right defensemen on the New York Rangers. We're taking an in-depth look at Adam Fox, Jacob Truba, and Braden Schneider on today's episode. All this and much, much more today on Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 881 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And like I just said a second ago, going to go ahead, continue our off-season series of taking a look at every single player who I believe will be on the New York Rangers opening night roster. We're going to take an in-depth look at every single one of those players and discuss the best and worst-case scenarios for every single player. And we continue the series. We've already covered the goalies. We've covered the left defense. And now we move over to the other side of the ice to the right defense. And we begin with Adam Fox, obviously one of the elite players in this league. Take a quick look at his stats from this past season. He played in all 82 games for the Rangers, all seven playoff games as well. Uh, Scored 12 goals, 60 assists, 72 points. He was also a plus 28, averaged 24 minutes, 23 seconds of ice time per night. Uh, had 25 hits, 125 block shots, 88 takeaways, 74 giveaways. He was an all-star and finished in second place for the Norris. And you could make a case that maybe it should have been his. Although, you know, as I discussed in the past, not to rehash this whole thing, but uh, to just offer a couple of quick thoughts about it. Um, you know, Carlson obviously really piled up the points and it was going to be hard for anybody to beat him. But regardless, I mean, just an outstanding season for Adam Fox. What do you expect? And as we do throughout this entire series, Going to start with the worst-case scenario for Adam Fox and move to best-case scenario. Always nice to end on the positives. So worst-case scenarios for Adam Fox, and I don't think this this uh, this section is going to really be all that long. One thing I thought of, though, Game 7 was obviously really rough for the Rangers this past season against the Devils. They lose, you know, 4 to nothing after playing very, very well in Game 6 to force it to a Game 7. Basically came out, laid an egg in Game 7 against the Devils, and... The one thing that really got the Devils going, and granted, the Devils, you know, to this point in the game had already had the better of play, but it was still scoreless. And we were right around like midway through the second period or whatever it was there. Adam Fox, and to be fair, Chris Kreider, too. It was the two of them uh, kind of teaming up to make a really big mistake that really hurt the Rangers in this game. Uh, basically, Fox and Kreider were just a mess on this play. It was a four on four, and I think the Rangers got too caught up with, you know, trying to run the clock out on the four on four so they could get on the power play. Uh, whatever the reason, just a really, really bad play by Fox and Kreider in their own zone. Um, just very slow, very kind of casual on their own side of the ice here. And he had Palat stealing the puck from Adam Fox. Rangers briefly got it back. You know, Kreider starts to skate away, but then Palat steals it back away from Kreider. Uh, he goes right around Adam Fox, like Fox is standing still and uh, passed to McLeod. McLeod scores. It's one nothing Devils and the Devils were on their way. Uh, to a blowout win. So the reason I bring this up, it's not to rehash bad memories or anything like that. I mean, believe me, I want to leave that series in the past just as much as everybody else does. But, you know, that obviously was a big point in that game and kind of a turning point of that game. Again, I know the Devils were playing better, but it was still scoreless. Uh, In a worst case scenario, maybe that play lingers a little bit for Adam Fox. I mean, I got to imagine when you have a miscue like that, when you're one of the better players on the rink of any rink that you ever step on, and you're in a game seven and it's winner take all. And 
the winner moves on and the loser is done and you have a mistake uh, like that, uh, that has to stick with you at least a little bit, at least a little bit into the offseason. Now, I get the feeling that Adam Fox does have a, you know, pretty good shoulder or head on his shoulders, rather. And, um, you know, it's probably moved past it at a certain point here. But I don't know. I, I just feel like you make a play like that in a spot like that. That's got to be something of a long offseason for Adam Fox. So in a worst case scenario, maybe that lingers a little bit. But we'll obviously keep our fingers crossed. That just motivates him to come back, be better than ever uh, for Adam Fox this upcoming season. I think also in a worst case scenario, if Ryan Lindgren has to miss any time, which again, I do think his injury issues are, are somewhat overstated uh, by a lot of fans. Um, I'm not going to say he's never been hurt, but people act like, you know, he misses half the season every season. That's just not true. But if Ryan Lindgren does get hurt, we've seen in the past where the Ranger defense starts to come apart a little bit, come unglued a little bit. And I don't think Adam Fox has always been at his like absolute best. And granted, you know, when he's at his absolute best, He's the absolute best defenseman in the league, so that's a high standard to hold yourself to. But I do feel like any time where Adam Fox doesn't quite look like Adam Fox, it often coincides with Ryan Lindgren not being in the lineup. We've noticed that over the past couple of years, you know, two years ago against the Penguins in the playoffs when Lindgren had to miss some games, everything fell apart. So if Lindgren goes down um, in a worst-case scenario, you know, maybe that slows Adam Fox down a little bit. He's just not the Adam Fox uh, that we all know and love uh, on the New York Rangers. I would think also in a worst-case scenario – the power play. Now, the Ranger power play was very good last season. It just wasn't quite as good as the season before. They dropped from number four in the league to number seven in the league and dropped from 25.2% to 24.1%. It's not like they fell off a cliff or anything like that. It just felt like they were a little bit more inconsistent on the power play this past season. And I think anytime you have a new coach, as the Rangers do, you know, it might take some uh, adjusting and some getting used to a power play system, whatever the case might be. And so, you know, if the Ranger power play struggles out of the starting blocks, it could come down on Adam Fox just because, you know, he is the, the quarterback out there. But these are all very, very minor concerns. Everything that I just threw out there, it was tough to find much of anything because Adam Fox, you know, when he's at his best, best defense in, in the world, when he's at his worst, I mean, what is Adam Fox at his worst, really? Like, like still a top 10 defenseman in the league. So, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I had to search far and wide to come up with some worst case scenarios. But now let's go ahead, get to the fun stuff, the best case scenarios for Adam Fox. I think in a best case scenario, he can give a little bit of a boost to some of the young forwards on the New York Rangers. You know, we've obviously seen Adam Fox rack up just a ton of assists ever since he came into the league. Uh, excellent passer. Uh, as I, you know, just talking about the power play, he's a great quarterback on the power play. We're used to set it, seeing him set up guys, you know, like Panarin, Kreider, all the usual suspects. But we want the kids to step up a little bit this season, right? That's what we always talk about. We want to see the kids get, you know, a, a bigger role, uh, more ice time, more power play time, the whole nine yards. I think in a best case scenario, Adam Fox can, can help those young players, the young forwards on the New York Ranger. We talked about his passing. If he can make those kinds of, you know, crisp cross ice passes, to whoever it might be, whether it's Lafreniere or Hedl or Kako, and set them up for some golden opportunities, I think you're going to see an uptick in the production of all those players. And, you know, that's something that it could happen to even strength. It could maybe happen on the power play. We don't know how the Rangers are going to deploy their two power play units, how they're going to, you know, share ice time. Is it going to be 50-50 or 60-40 as far as how much they're out there? Are we going to see one of the kid line, at least on the top power play unit, that's possible. And if they are, they're out there with Adam Fox and whichever one of them it is, I think could certainly benefit uh, from playing with Fox. So I think in a best case scenario, you know, Adam Fox can give a boost to, uh, you know, some of the younger forwards on this team, set them up with some golden opportunities with some of those uh, trademark, just awesome passes that he tends to make, you know, throughout the course of the game and throughout the course of uh, really the entire season, honestly, throughout the entire course of Adam Fox's career so far, and uh, hopefully for many, many seasons uh, going forward as well. 
Uh, here's one that's a little bit different. I've been talking about the power play a little bit and Adam Fox's rule on the power play. I think in a best case scenario, Adam Fox can lead the Eastern Conference in power play assists. Now, I say Eastern Conference because let's go ahead and take Connor McDavid out of the equation. When it comes to offensive numbers, uh, it's kind of tough for just about anybody to, to beat him at just about anything. So we'll limit this to the Eastern Conference. But when you look at Adam Fox power play numbers from this past season, Fox was number eight in the NHL last year in power play assists with 28. Now, McDavid led the way with 50. Uh, after McDavid, he had Kucherov with 42. Ryan Nugent Hopkins with 38. Miro Heiskanen, 32. Quinn Hughes, 32. Leon Dreisaitl, 30. Brandon Montour, 30. So only two of the players that I just mentioned, you know, in that whole top eight there, uh, only two of them in the, the finish ahead of Fox out of all those players play in the Eastern Conference. And the only one that was significantly ahead of him was Kucherov with 42. So I think it's doable. Rangers have a dangerous power play. There's obviously a lot of weapons out there. And I don't know, again, how they're going to split time on the ice as far as the two power play units are concerned. But if we see that Ranger top power play unit get a ton of time, then that gives Fox even more opportunities. And yeah, I think there's uh, absolutely that possibility that he ends up leading, we'll say just the Eastern Conference in assists on the power play. I think that's definitely uh, within reach for Adam Fox. And if he does that, it bodes well for the Rangers in general. And obviously it bodes well to them having, you know, a top 10, top seven power play unit uh, for the third consecutive season here. I think also in a best case scenario, he continues to defend the 2-1-1 brilliantly. Uh, I've said this before on this podcast. I think Adam Fox, when it comes to odd man rushes and specifically the 2-1-1, uh, he does it just about as well as anybody. Can't even tell you how many times I've seen him back and you know, he's the only guy back. It's 2 on one and, you know, whoever they're playing doesn't even get a scoring opportunity out of that two-on-one rush because Adam Fox has that good of positioning. Often he'll steal the puck or, or just prevent a scoring opportunity in general. Just a very high IQ hockey player who understands what he's going doing uh, when he's in a situation such as that. I think also in a best-case scenario for Adam Fox, uh, he ends up elevating Keandre Miller if the two of them wind up playing on the same pairing. Now, I've been talking about this a little bit on and off throughout this podcast the last you know, couple of weeks, months, whatever it's been now, uh, the idea of Adam Fox and Keandre Miller potentially playing together. Now, part of me wants to see it because I just feel like that could be such a dynamic, just unreal pairing. Uh, part of me wants to see the Rangers, and I think I still lean this way, but part of me still wants to see the Rangers stick with what's been working. Lindgren and Fox obviously click out there together. Uh, Miller and Truba, save for like the first quarter of this past season, have been very, very good together as well. But I do think, you know, if you end up, Look, there's 82 games. I think at a certain point, you're going to see Fox and Miller get at least a little bit of run together. And I think, you know, Ke'Andre Miller on the verge of stardom in this league. He's obviously off to a really nice, uh, you know, start in his career here. Playing with Adam Fox, yeah, that doesn't hurt. And I think Adam Fox is somebody that can get Miller or help get Miller uh, to that next level. I think also in a best case scenario for Adam Fox, he continues to be an elite playoff performer. Uh, Fox is one of the driving forces in the Rangers run to the Eastern Conference final two years ago. He had five goals and 18 assists for 23 points in 20 games during that run. And uh, even in last year, ends up with eight assists in the seven games and what was, you know, for the most part, a lackluster series for the Rangers. Great start in the first two games and everything basically just fell apart at the seams after that. But Adam Fox, um, you know, despite the gaff that he had in game seven, overall was one of the better Ranger players on the ice uh, throughout that series. And uh, just kind of a fun one to end on here, one that's kind of random. And like I said, just kind of fun and, and casual here. Can we get a Harvard connection at some point this season? Let's see uh, Adam Fox setting up Jimmy Vesey for a goal or maybe even vice versa. You never know for sure. I, I would think the former is probably more likely. But uh, yeah, you know, we've seen the French connection with with Blay and Lafreniere. You know, they linked up for a goal 
um, you know, before Blay got hurt the the first year that he was here. Um, so why not? Let, let's see a Harvard connection here. Give me a Fox to easy for a goal at some point this upcoming season. It's one of those things, maybe it already happened and I just don't remember it, but at some point, let's see uh, Fox and VZ linking up for a goal. I think that could be a lot of fun. All uh, right, keep everything rolling in just a second. Going to turn our attention to Jacob Truba, the Ranger captain, one of the more uh, polarizing Rangers in recent memory, but we're going to go ahead, talk about him and every single uh, best and worst case scenario for the New York Ranger captain. We will do that in just a second, but first, got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked on New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now I've been on it for about 16 months, give or take, and I absolutely love it. I drink it every morning of every day before I do anything, before I record this podcast, before I do anything active, before I do anything for the day job, before I do you know parental duties and whatnot. Yeah, I got to have that AG1 first thing every single day. Uh, right in the morning before I do pretty much anything else. And AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. AG1 helps you build health foundation first. AG1 is raising the standard for quality in the supplement category. Covering my nutritional bases for the day literally could not be any easier, which is why I trust AG1. I just mix one small scoop with water and drink it first thing each morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. Pretty darn good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with high source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That is drinkag1.com slash NHL network and check it out. All right, we just want to go ahead and thank everybody, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, you guys are definitely going to want to stick around. We're going to continue going with some of this uh, best and worst case, you know, scenarios for every single player on the New York Rangers. Really enjoy doing this every offseason as we build to the next uh, exciting season of New York Ranger hockey. Also, we'll be talking about some prospects in some future episodes and uh, hopefully getting some guests lined up, a couple other crossover episodes as well. But for right now, let's go ahead, continue what we're doing here today and take a look at the New York Ranger captain, Jacob Truba, uh, this past season. Played all 82 games, all seven playoff games, eight goals in the regular season, 22 assists. He was a plus seven, averaged 21 minutes, 12 seconds of ice time, 196 block shots, 218 hits, and 32 takeaways against 49 giveaways. And once again, we'll start with the worst case scenarios, work our way to the best case scenarios. And a worst, I would say the first thing that popped into my head doing this, you know, for, for Jacob Truba here, another bad start to the season. Uh, I know that some of his struggles and really the struggles of that pairing himself and Ke'Andre Miller were at least somewhat caused by some nagging injuries for Jacob True. But, but you watch him last year and I mean, man, he just did not look right. Um, I, I know that, you know, he's never been a burner out there, but he just looked so slow. Looked like he was in quicksand, um, just having all kinds of problems. And every time that Miller and Truba were on the ice early in the season, for me at least, uh, I was holding my breath. And um, the results just were not there early in the season. Now, they eventually, I think Truba got healthy, and they picked it up. 
and put it back together and ended up having a nice season for themselves. But I think in a worst case scenario, and I think this is especially true when you've got a new coach, the Rangers schedule is somewhat weak early in the season. You want to hit the ground running. You want to get off to an awesome start, which is something that you did not do last season. I think it's all the more important that true would not get off to a bad start. And like I said, a worst case scenario, that's exactly what happens. Uh, he gets off to a little bit of a slow start uh, for this upcoming season, but we'll see what happens there. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that pairing, though, uh, given the fact that, once again, they struggled out of the gates last season, uh, Jacob Truba and Keandre Miller. I would say also in a worst-case scenario, um, you know, he is one of the uh, – there's no other way to say it. He's one of the slower players on the New York Rangers. And, look, that's never really been a huge part of his game, obviously. Uh, he does a lot of other things, obviously brings the physicality and the leadership and the snarl and the hard hits uh, and, and some offensive, you know, game to uh, what he does as well. But – there are times where it does seem like when somebody's moving up the ice with like a full head of steam, they are able to kind of get around him. You know, there's times where he'll be back skating, but then I think he kind of realizes like, wow, this guy is about to fly by me. So then he has to turn around and try to keep up with them that way. And there's times where he's not able to do that. And I think, um, you know, a, a part of the season where that could really come into play is in the playoffs. We did see a couple of times uh, where guys got by him in playoff games. I mean, I'm not going to say that he was like bad in the playoffs in the last two years, but um, his just inability to to move with any kind of speed, uh, I think, is one of Truba's Achilles heels out there. So I think in a worst-case scenario, and he is still in his 20s, but I think in a worst-case scenario, you know, that becomes even more of an issue going forward. And, um, you know, guys are just too easily able to just basically blow right by him because, you know, he, the physicality is great, but if he can't keep up with them, you know, that's not really going to help a whole lot. So I think that's a worst-case scenario for Truba. Um, I think also... In general, you know, I mentioned a bad start for the Rangers is a worse or a bad start for Truba is a worse case. I think also in a worse case, just a bad start for the Rangers goes back to everything that I was talking about a minute ago. You know, Jacob Truba is the captain of this team now, and I think it was a great choice. The players all seem to like it. But if the Rangers get off to a lackluster start this season against some weaker opponents, and especially when you consider how disappointing and how frustrating and how honestly shocking it was to see the Rangers get eliminated in the way that they did this past season. I think a lot of the heat is going to come down on Jacob Truber just because he is the captain. He does make a lot of money, and uh, that comes with the territory. You know, when you're the captain and you're making big bucks and the team struggles, you're going to be one of the first guys that's kind of in the crosshairs uh, of the Ranger fans. So I think a worst-case scenario um, is just a bad start uh, by the Rangers, and then, of course, uh, Truba catching, you know, the brunt of that, the brunt of the blame, um, you know, from the fan base and whatnot. All right, let's move ahead to the best-case scenarios for Jacob Truba. I think in a best case, Jacob Trouba is somebody that can almost kind of take the heat off of some other Ranger players, both uh, from Ranger fans as well as fans of other teams. And we'll start with Ranger fans. Again, I'm not the only Ranger fan that was disappointed, borderline sick by the way that they played after the first two games in that playoff series last year. Uh, I think in particular games four, five, and seven were basically inexcusable. Um, five and seven, even more so. I mean, both shutout losses and you've got everything right there for you and um, you basically just pull a no-show, but there's a lot of Ranger fans that are mad at a lot of different Ranger players, and obviously Truba's somebody that's always been kind of a target of Ranger fans when things aren't going well. Uh, another one, and this is going to be even more true after you watch the playoff series last year, is Artemi Panarin. I feel like, though, you know, Jacob Truba, um, he's somebody that can uh, kind of take the, the brunt of the heat. You know, he's somebody that can handle it, whereas, you know, other guys, other young players, you, you don't want to see something happen where, like, Alexi Lafreniere is being booed every time he touches the puck or Capo Caco, whatever it might be. I don't think that would happen. But, again, I just feel like a lot of the Rangers fans, like like the collective ire, 
it tends to go toward Jacob Truba. And in a way, whether he even realizes he's doing it or not, and I'm sure he would if he if he could consciously do this. Uh, but I think in a way, he's almost kind of shielding some of those other players from, you know, maybe some of the ire of New York Ranger fans. As far as other fan bases are concerned, the Penguins fans, that they're the ones that spring into mind right away. Um, but I feel like other fan bases, they're so obsessed with Jacob Truba and they want to boo him that it kind of takes the heat off of some other players. You know, you don't see too many Ranger players go on the road and really face that difficult of an environment. You don't see like, you know, Panarin being booed every time he touches the puck or like Mika Zibanejad. I mean, Panarin, you know, he'll get booed when he goes back to Columbus because obviously he left there. Um, Jacob Truba, you know, he'll always get booed in Winnipeg. Um, Flames fans will always boo Adam Fox. Canadians fans do not like Chris Kreider. I think we know that. But, you know, for the most part, the guy that hears it from opposing fan bases and the guy that is really, really uh, disliked on the Rangers by opposing fan bases is Jacob Truba. And once again, I think he's kind of, you know, shielding some of the other players from uh, some of that, um, whatever the os- the opposite of hospitality is from, uh, from opposing fan bases. So, yeah, I-, I think that's something where, you know, in a best case, once again, he just kind of, he absorbs the brunt of, you know, whatever it might be from fans, whether it's the Ranger fans or, or other fans. I think also in a best case scenario, we can see Jacob Truba set a new career high in block shots and hits. He did it this past season. Career high, 196 block shots. Career high, 218 hits. You know, we talk about uh, on this podcast, different Rangers being, you know, kind of polarizing amongst the the, the fan base. You know, there, I think Ryan Strome was a good example of that. Uh, I think for sure. Jacob Truba, Artemi Panarin might be heading toward that territory, although I think most Ranger fans certainly still do like him. Um, but somebody that I think, and Patrick Kane's another one, but Jacob Truba more so than anybody, I feel like he's somebody that really kind of splits the fan base. There's people that love the old school snarl and everything, and there's other people that look at him and they say eight and a half million dollars for for what exactly? You know, they, they feel like he's a little bit overpaid. But one thing that every single Ranger fan, I feel like, must absolutely agree on, even if you're somebody that's not a Truba fan, you don't get it, you think he's overpaid, you want somebody else for captain, whatever the case might be, the one thing that I think every single Ranger fan has to agree on and has to give to Jacob Truba, the dude is tough as nails. And obviously, we see many, many examples of that when you go through the entire season. Uh, You know, he's always very accountable after games, and he goes out there, and he grinds, and he works hard every single night. He's battling for the puck on every single shift. If somebody has their head down, he is going to absolutely whack them. And I, you know, he does kind of toe the line a little bit as far as, you know, what's acceptable and what's not. But I do think for the most part, and especially last year, the vast majority of Jacob Truba hits, vicious though they might be, 100% clean. There are times where, you know, maybe he he's towing the line or maybe even going just a little bit over the line. Uh, that has happened at times throughout Jacob Truba's career. But when he whacks people, you know, you think about that Flames game last season, everything he did in that game was 100% clean. It was shoulder to chest. You know, taking the body, knocking the guy to the ice, there's there's nothing wrong with that. And um, I, I think in a best-case scenario, you know, he, again, to kind of bring it back to what we were originally talking about, uh, block shots and hits, he can set a uh, new career high in both, but also just bring that toughness and be that tone setter for the New York Rangers, um, you know, throughout this upcoming season. I think also in a best-case for Jacob Truba, I could see him being like a solid uh, kind of go-between as far as Laviolette and the players are concerned, because we've been wondering how Laviolette is going to mesh with this Ranger team. You know, Laviolette's a pretty high-intensity coach and a lot of fire and brimstone. That's kind of the phrase that a lot of people have been using. And then you've got players in the Rangers, you know, the leadership group that, you know, they're, they lead in their own way. And I, I don't think there's like a leadership issue on this team at all, but they're not really the biggest rah-rah, you know, screaming and yelling kind of players. You think of guys like Kreider, uh, Mika, 
Panarin, whoever it might be, even Goodrow. You know, Goodrow plays with a lot of intensity. I, you know, he, he will. He will at times be vocal. But um, you look at Jacob Truba, he's kind of the go-between because he's obviously very intense. And I just feel like Jacob Truba, um, you know, is the captain of a Peter Laviolette team. That just makes all the sense in the world. And something I talked about in the past, even if the Rangers had just completed this past season uh, without uh, a captain, I just get the feeling that, Peter Laviolette would step in, and if you told him to name a captain, Jacob Schubert would probably be his guy, and I just think it's a really nice match, uh, you know, for the Rangers, you know, Truba and Laviolette going forward. I think also in a best-case scenario, uh, he continues to hold the team accountable. You know, we talked about the helmet throw last year. They were playing, like, absolute garbage against the Blackhawks. Everybody's skating like they got a piano on their back, and uh, he got into a fight and ends up taking off his helmet and firing it against the board, trying to wake everybody up a little bit. They went on a winning streak right after that. And you watch his post-game press conferences. Uh, you know, he'll answer every question. He'll stand there all night if he has to. And uh, very accountable both for himself and for the team in general. So in a best-case scenario, you know, he keeps it, he keeps everything on the rails this upcoming season. And uh, once again, one of the more accountable players and just a big-time leader uh, for the New York Rangers. We're going to keep everything rolling in just a second. One more defenseman to talk about, and then in a future episode, we're going to turn our attention to the Ranger forwards. we got one more defenseman who I believe will be out there on opening night, and that is Braden Schneider, and we will talk about him in just a second. All right, so Braden Schneider, 81 games this past season, five goals, 13 assists, 18 points. He was a plus nine, 130 block shots, 147 hits. Now, worst case scenario, and... This is another one where it's kind of tough because I think, you know, you look at Braden Schneider and you're probably feeling pretty good about what he's done so far just a year and a half into the NHL, his NHL career, which is kind of hard to believe. Um, I guess in a worst-case scenario, though, he could plateau a little bit. You know, the the book on him going into the draft that year was of all the players available, this guy is among the safest picks you could make in the entire draft. That's what the scouts seemed to agree on was that Braden Schneider, you know, there were some players in that draft that maybe – had more upside than Braden Schneider, could go on to be absolute megastars, whereas Schneider wasn't really looked at that way. Um, but somebody that, you know, from what I was reading, there's no way that this guy is not going to become like a solid, regular NHL defense, and at the very least. Uh, maybe not as high of a ceiling as others, but a very, very safe floor. So that leads me to believe that in a worst-case scenario, Braden Schneider maybe plateaus a little bit. And honestly, if he kind of just stays where he's at right now, I mean, he's still a solid NHL defenseman. There's nothing wrong with really anything Braden Schneider does out there. But... You know, I think right now he's 21 years old and we're all like geared up for, oh my God, Braden Schneider could become a superstar. He could be this, he could be that. And I am very hopeful and very bullish on uh, Braden Schneider's future. But I guess in a worst case scenario, we kind of just get what we're getting right now from Braden Schneider going forward. And again, he would still be a solid player, but maybe we're at the point where, you know, he's not going to get exponentially better uh, than where he's at right now. I would say also in a worst case scenario, and uh, we're actually going to talk about this in the best case scenario as well. That'll make sense in a second. But in a worst-case scenario, they brought in Eric Gustafson, and it looks like he's going to be the sixth defenseman, and he'll be out there with Braden Shire on opening night. So I guess in a worst-case scenario, Braden Shire just does not have chemistry with Eric Gustafson. Gustafson's had kind of a weird career arc. You know, he plays well, and then he falls off, and then he plays well again, and uh, then he falls off again, and then he's on a PTO, and you know, then he then he's with Laviolette with the Caps, and he's playing on the power play unit. So he's been all over the place, up and down throughout his entire career. With Eric Gustafson, you never know for sure what you're going to get. And I think a pairing like that, you know, a veteran in Gustafson, who I believe is 31, and a young guy in Schneider, who's 21, 
Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see how they shake out. Um, but in a worst case scenario, you never know for sure how any two defensemen or any three forwards are going to click. You put them out there together. So in a worst case scenario, yeah, you know, just doesn't have the chemistry uh, with Eric Gustafson. But in a best case scenario for Brandon Schneider, so this one, anybody watching on YouTube, there, there's a little bit of a teaser, a little bit of a spoiler there, if you will, uh, on the right bar. Uh, what it says is Braden, and then you've got the colon, and it says best third-pair D-man in the NHL. And at first, you know, you might hear that and think like, well, it's kind of early. You know, he's only a year and a half into his career. He's maybe not that guy just yet. But honestly, like off the top of your head, and this is without going through the other 31 teams and looking at every depth chart, et cetera, et cetera. But off the top of your head, can you name me a third-pair defenseman in this league who is, like, head and shoulders significantly better than Braden Schneider? Off the top of my head, I really can't. And again, maybe if I went through the depth chart, I'd see a guy or two that, you know, I'd put ahead of Schneider. But um, that player, honestly, might not exist. And, you know, if you include upside and the fact that he's only been in the league for a year and a half, uh, I think what I said about Braden Schneider becomes even more true. This is somebody that uh, is probably ready to be a top-four you know, defenseman, but they just don't have room for him there because he got Fox and Truba ahead of him. So he's probably going to stay on the third pairing, but what a luxury. I mean, a guy that uh, could clearly be in a top four role is your third pair defense. And like I said, show me anybody that you believe is significantly better than Braden Schneider. Obviously uh, Schneider being on the third pairing gives them a lot of depth. And uh, he's somebody that if they at a certain point need him to move into a top four role, I think he's more than ready for it. So uh, that's pretty awesome. And um, you know, again, one of the absolute best third pair D men in this league. I think also in a best case scenario for Braden Schneider, he continues to be something of a chameleon. Uh, I mentioned a minute ago, the whole thing with Gustafson and, you know, in a worst case scenario, they wouldn't have chemistry, but I don't really have any reason to believe that they wouldn't. And that's because Braden Schneider, since coming into the league, uh, he has played with just about everybody that, that's played on the Rangers. It feels that way. Um, you look at all the different defensemen he's played with and keep in mind, again, just a season and a half worth of hockey. I believe like 124 games for Braden Schneider. He has spent, you know, fairly significant time with all of the following. You got Patrick Nemeth, which, I mean, that's a heck of a way to start your career. Uh, Libor Hayek, Justin Braun, Zach Jones, Ben Harper, and Nico Mikola. And now he's going to end up with Eric Gustafson. So that's uh, seven different defensemen that Schneider would have spent regular time with since he came into the league just a season and a half ago. And honestly, any defenseman at all that does that, it's impressive. You know, Adam Fox could do that, and it's impressive. Or Jacob Truber, whoever you want to go to, I uh, go around the league to these other guys. Kale McCarr doing that would be impressive. The fact that Braden Schneider has done this at the age of 20 and 21, had this revolving door of defensemen around him, and seems to work well with every single one of them. And think about the diversity of that group I just mentioned. We got young guys. We got old guys. We've got, you know, trade deadline rentals. We've got uh, homegrown prospects for the Rangers, guys that the Rangers drafted. We've got stay-at-home defense, and we've got offensive defense. And he's literally played with every kind of defenseman that you could possibly imagine playing with, and he's only, again, a year and a half into his career. So I think in a best-case scenario, he continues to be a chameleon. Obviously, I, I think it'll be him and Carlson to start the season, but if the Rangers want to you know, switch their defense pairings and he's got to be out there with uh, you know, Lindgren or Miller or maybe Zach Jones works his way back into the mix, Maybe Matthew Robertson eventually gets a chance. Uh, in a best-case scenario, he can continue to be that guy, the guy that can go out there and play good hockey with anybody that he's paired with. And again, the fact that he's only 21 and doing all that, extremely impressive. I think also in a best-case scenario, uh, we might see Braden Schneider mix in on the penalty kill a little bit more. You know, the Rangers, for the PK, 
last year and, and even the year before that. I don't really remember seeing Schneider out there a ton. I mean, I'm sure he got out there from time to time. But I, I think, you know, the coaching staff, Gallant, and the rest of the Ranger coaches uh, at the time, they were more trusting of, you know, the veteran defensemen, uh, you know, Fox and Lindgren and Miller and Truba, and with good reason because those are guys that are obviously very good players and uh, you're shorthanded. You want to make sure that you don't give up a goal or do everything you can to prevent giving up a goal. So, yeah, I mean, obviously you're going to get those guys on the ice, but I think in a best-case scenario, maybe Schneider earns a little bit more trust, gets a little bit more time in the PK, and in a situation like that, Maybe Adam Fox gets a little bit less time on the PK and you can give him more uh, even strength time, more power play time, whatever it might be. Uh, Adam Fox just puts up a crazy amount of minutes. It feels like pretty much every night. And that could be a way to, I don't know, keep Fox fresh for other situations in the game if you feel like you can trust Braden Schneider uh, when it comes to the penalty kill. I think also in a best case scenario for Braden Schneider, he keeps a really good mindset. I can remember around this time last year, you know, going into this past season, uh, Brayden Schneider said, you know, he's not taking anything for granted. He doesn't think he's on this roster. He feels like he has to go out there and earn his spot all over again. I think that's just an awesome attitude to have. And, you know, Brayden Schneider seemed to be the only one, the only one of us who wasn't basically penciling him in to last night's opening night roster because the season before that, he was caught up, played very well. Obviously, he was uh, a big part of the Ranger playoff run as well. He was out there for every game. And so he didn't take anything for granted, though. And I think all of us assumed he would be on the opening night roster. The fact that he didn't, I love that. I love the fact that he feels like he's got to go back out there and earn it every single uh, season. And I get the feeling that, you know, he's probably taking a similar mindset into this upcoming season, even though at this point, I mean, to go with, you know, somebody over Braden Schneider on the opening night roster, I just don't see why that would make any sense or why they would even consider doing that. I mean, he's somebody that you can pretty much uh, just pencil in and uh, he's going to be the guy there on that third pairing. You would have to think, I mean, I just, again, I can't even imagine why he wouldn't be, um, but it is a great mindset to have that. He's got to go out there and battle and earn it every single season. I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. We are going to eventually move ahead with the forwards, the best and worst case scenario for all the Ranger forwards. I did just want to mention at the end here though, Derek Stepan stories, uh, from when he scored game seven in overtime against the Washington Capitals. If you have a story of who you were with and what you were doing and how you reacted uh, when Stepan scored that goal, definitely email it to me or D DM it to me on Twitter. And uh, yeah, just, just let me know. And uh, we will share that on a future episode of Locked on New York Rangers. The Fantasy League, for everybody that played last year, if I haven't heard back from you, you've got two weeks. We're going to set the deadline at Monday, August 21st. After that, if I haven't heard back from you and you played last year, uh, we're probably going to give your spot to somebody new this year. There's some people that are waiting in line, hoping to get in, and uh, definitely looking forward to some fantasy hockey this season. But yes, if you played last year and I did not hear from you, you got two weeks starting right now. Uh, also, one last little bit of news here, a tweet from Molly Walker. We can talk about this real quick before we call it a day and then talk about it in greater detail in a future episode. But this is what Molly Walker tweeted out a little bit earlier today. Rangers have hired Christian Hamora as a skills and performance development coach. He will be on the coaching staff and around the team regularly. Mark Siaccio is still with the organization, but in a new role as a prospect development skills coach. And yeah, Siaccio is somebody that doesn't get a ton of attention, but he's starting to get a little bit more attention from Ranger fans the last year or two here, and not in a good way, because I think a lot of Ranger fans kind of blame him or look at him as at least part of the reason why all these high draft picks for the Rangers just don't tend to work out, and they just uh, don't get to the level that we expect. Um, obviously, Lafreniere and Kako, you know, the book's still out on them, but um, you look at Anderson, Kraftsoff, they were disasters. Um, and then the Rangers have been very hit or miss in the draft, and I, I feel like the 
overall thought is that Siachio just has not done a good enough job in his role. And it uh, sounds like now he's going to you know, have a hand in prospect development and Christian Hamura uh, going to be on as a skills and performance development coach. And like I said, we'll talk a little bit more about Hamura, who he is, and what he brings to the table in a future episode of Locked On New York Rangers. But that will do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.